Hey everybody, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. First of all, I want to give a shout out to our main sponsors, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. Be sure to call in for a point if you're around Cork over the next few weeks. Now, delighted to welcome back Andy Clark of The Crawling. He certainly doesn't need any introduction at this stage, or does he? What do you think, Andy? Oh, always need an introduction. Always an introduction. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Cheers. Cheers. Nice to have a few beers with you on a Sunday evening. Why not? And we're here to celebrate as well the upcoming release of your album. Actually, this podcast will be out the day of the release, so that's kind of nice. Okay. Ever nice the professional, one. you know me. Like, of course. After four years in the game, that stuff like that just comes like second nature to me. <laughs> Everything good with you otherwise, yeah? Yeah, no, it's all grand. Just uh, just very, very busy with the release yeah. coming up and all the other things that go with it. And obviously, ordinary life on top of that. So just yeah. not enough hours in the week right now. Not enough hours. That's another problem, isn't it? It's this stuff it that is. people don't see, you know, they just expect you to be fucking throwing this out as if you're the, a record label behind you. And I mean, for what yeah. you did so far with the videos and everything like that, we'll go into that. But uh, it's fairly incredible what you've done. And Jesus Christ, <laughs> the the scope of this thing, because I mean, it is your third album and it's and it's a fucking biggie like. It is. It's uh, it's very important. And yeah. as you say, third album, it's like, yep, there has to be something happens this time, you know? <laughs> so yeah. The first album, you have all your whole career to write. The second album, you're sort of, you want to keep building on it, but it always feels a bit rushed. And then there's a third, third album where you sort of, you find your stride and sort I of think, know yeah. better idea where you want to go. You got it. And, you know, I was just interested as well to see have you successfully built on the previous two, and I think you have done it in spades, man. Um, but look, cool. we'll get into all that oh, well. as the show goes along. So you have an interesting thing. I don't know now, is this on uh, the CD album or digital, a little story beforehand? No, that was all just um, just the sort of PR side of things. Okay. You know, okay. Just releases that went with it. Is it worth reading out in so far as that will explain a bit more about the album? Yeah, absolutely. It's, okay. it's all part of the same thing. Okay, so I'll I'll quickly go through it. I shuffle through the mounting snow, the cold biting at my exposed face and hands, the relentless winds cut through my thin clothing and no feeling remains in my sodden feet. I'm long past the point where I could turn back, but then there's nothing left to return to anyway. I'm a walking corpse just waiting to fall down. The bitterness threatens to choke me even before the cold can stop my heart. All the words I swallowed, all the dreams I buried, the hopes I carried from childhood, they cast into dirt as if they were nothing. The friends I turned away from, the standards I lowered, the cruelties I accepted and committed, all to be embraced by the ones who mattered, the ones whose words, empty as they were, somehow carried weight and value. I broke myself apart for the love of the unlovable, whose blood was fetid ichor. All of this to die alone, all of this for nothing. There you go. Yeah. Pretty grim, dark, yeah. and <laughs> do you want to say miserable? Might as well yeah, get it over and done. Yeah, yeah, it has. No, it, yeah. It, it, it came from the, basically the stuff that we provided to um, part of PR, doing our PR for this okay. album. Yeah. Uh, we sort, I sort of supplied them with um, my one sheets, my quotes, and then they put that together for it, sort of mm-hmm. as a narrative to go with the album. So nice. some of it's what I said and some of it's what their, their interpretation of it. And then obviously it sent back to me and I was like, yeah, that works. It works with the album cover as well, the art. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's pretty cool. So this is your own explanation. Then 
Uh, this album is a journey that focuses on the realization that life is finite. Many aspects of life causes heartache, hardship and misery. The tracks here explore the reasons and rationale for putting ourselves through such things when eventually it will all end in a black void. And all of this is for nothing. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much it from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. Coming up with maybe that paragraph and the like, how much of that is true? And how much is added to it just for the sake of of um, the atmosphere in relation to the album? No, just your I, own I, view on it. I, like. No, I think that this, particularly the last paragraph, because that is a direct quote from what I've written, and it is mm. 100% what I believe in relation to this album. And okay. it's not necessarily as negative as it sounds. Right. It's more just I've got to an age where I've just realized that do you know what it it does end you know when you're sort of a bit younger your 20s even your 30s you sort of just think that just everything's ahead of you forever and you can't be harmed and you're immortal mm. and you get to make decisions like worrying about it and then you get to a certain stage in life where you actually can take stock of what you've done and how this is now going to dictate your future and yeah. that the whole album explores that not just about your own choices but things that happen to you things you do to other people things you do to yourself and the paths you end up on because of that. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, it ends for everybody, no matter what, it is going to end. And yeah. really, does any of it matter? Yeah. What about your legacy that you've left behind you? Does it Especially matter? as a creative artist. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd say, honestly, it just gets to say, it's just like, does it matter? You know, when you're gone, you're gone, depending on what your belief system is. Uh, and again, I suppose that's part of it. Mm. Um, so leaving something behind would, would be great. As you say, it's a legacy, but for who and why? And would it matter yeah. if it never happened? Don't know. <laughs> Trying to mold, we'll say that paragraph into seven songs. Maybe we'll say six, discounting Sparrow, we'll say. Just yeah. we'll park that for a side. But was that the the path you chose, we'll say, when composing both the soundscape, we'll say, and the lyrics? Or as you were writing it, maybe did all this come into kind of focus? Because, I mean, we had a shit two or three years with COVID anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to figure out at what stage had you any kind of ideas and skeletons of songs through COVID? Because, I mean, you released something in 2017, 2018 that yep. were you on course for 2019, 2020? Could this album came out before COVID? For example. Not this, not this album. Okay, um, there was supposed to be a third album because, as you say, we had Not A Mill Lost, then the Wolves album, mm. and then we had a really heavy touring cycle of 18 months. And yeah. it was, we were literally about to start an album and release it. Yeah. And obviously, COVID hit. So we just, the only thing we'd actually started was Sparrow. That was the okay. only track we'd sort of started off the new album, but we hadn't even got the stage of playing it together. You know, it was mm. literally a demo point. Yeah. So, we did Sparrow just as a single over COVID because yeah. I wanted to do something and the landscape was so peculiar. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure what would work and what didn't. So I thought, fuck it, let's just do a single yeah, and just see what this landscape looks like. So it was, mm -hmm. it was good. It worked well. But that then left me with, right, what will I do? So I actually did write, I think I wrote about nine, ten tracks over that 18-month period. And subsequently it was all scrapped. Once we got back to rehearsing and writing and doing a few gigs, I just scrapped them all. Uh, why um, so? Was it just because they were dark? They didn't suit you? Or just, what? I just don't think they were good enough. You okay, know, I was com enough. writing completely by myself. Um, 
and I just I was just really listening to them and really possibly overthinking. I don't know. Maybe it was a mm. great album. I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just thought, nah, fuck this. I'm going to start again. And we literally wrote the album, I would say, inside six months, if that. What yeah, year really. was that, Andy? Last year? Um, this is now, what, 2023? So, yeah, it was sort of finished by Christmas, finished by December last year. Okay. And then it was like, right, needing the recording of it. So it was actually, now we had Sparrow, March of the Worm, um, and a couple of other very skeletal sort of tracks that hadn't really developed. And mm-hmm. I just put the foot down and was like, yep, we have to have the album written by December and start okay. recording in the new year. So yeah. that's that's where the album came from. And once I had those songs written and the lyrics all written, they all were centered around this this one theme of, does any of this even matter? Does anything yeah. matter? What's the yeah. point? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of where the all of this for nothing came from. Okay, cool. All right, let's play the first track and uh, we'll, we'll work our way through it. And uh, so this is the first one, March of the Worm. I've down here in my notes the perfect opener. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a good track, a good opener yeah. track. I agree. The drumming sets the tone, doesn't it? Oh no, it really does. I remember yeah. particularly remember writing that track, and I was trying to come up with something different, and just was really trying to get a very much that sort of motif of a track, something mm-hmm. that you remember and stands out. And I remember searching and searching a couple of ideas. And then I know Gary is a side snare drummer as well as the, obviously the heavy metal thing. Yeah. I was like, right on the internet, cadence for drums, <laughs> military cadence okay. or whatever it was. Wow, and nice. I just find this clip of a, that sort of beat. So not quite what we ended up with, but it was the same sort of idea. Yeah. And I just sort of wrote the track based all around that, that drum cadence. And I mean, that drum cadence is 
popular up in Northern Ireland anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I see it, which is disappointing. It's, that's nothing to do with what it was. I know, to be isn't it? Clearly, I, I, let, yeah. Let's clear that up straight away. But I'm sure oh, yeah, Gary no, had a good laugh at that. Nothing. Yeah, I know. So it's no, it's absolutely nothing to do with that. It's just that March of the Worm. It's just that ties in with the title, you know. Yeah, and was Gary part of the boys' brigade? Was he? Uh, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, back in the Jesus. day. Right. So yeah, but aside as a, to young, as a young chap. Yeah, I think I think when we grew up in an era where you were sort of your parents directed you towards Cubs, Scouts, yeah. BB, whatever, yeah. you know, in an effort to stop you from sniffing glue and you know, drinking cider <laughs> at the age of twelve years old. <laughs> Feel miserably because you could do it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's just mad now, the way you researched that and that came up. Um as I said, it does set the tone. Let's talk about your vocal delivery in that song. I'm trying to figure out just as a listener would, the characters maybe that you could inhabit with that vocal performance. Is that possible? Is there characters in there that you, maybe it mightn't necessarily be for this song, but is there characters that you write about that you perceive to have a particular voice that that you want to portray in, in a song? Yeah, I suppose one of the reasons I forget lyrics is when I wrote Don't write about something very very specific in my own mind and there are certain tracks in the past i can never remember the fucking words to because i couldn't i couldn't put myself back into them um whereas in these this album i know precisely what i was writing about and i can i put myself in that headspace so maybe not characters so much but the emphasis on words and the way it's delivered is very much how i imagine either those people talking or me talking to that person or how someone spoke to me. Yes. So I think that's that's what I would do. Or empathizing with someone, you know, yeah. with voices in their heads, that sort of thing. Yeah. It definitely comes across in, in cool. March of the Worm. Like even you were a child, lost, emotions boiled with disgust, scraped from your mother's breast. I tenderly open her throat, the March of the Worm, a sickening sight, the pale return. Do you want to expand on that or are you happy to leave it as just um, to figure out themselves? I can do bits of it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically just a, a yeah. It's it's about um, individuals sort of having that power over someone and manipulating them, you know, okay. and just like like sort of a mother and a child type of you know that sort of presence you have over somebody, mm-hmm. and you know there is that realization that you know you can't get away from it unless somebody helps you, which is somebody coming up and slitting their throat to sort of free you from them. So okay. that's sort of a metaphorical side of it. With a yeah, that's nicely put. Kerry was involved in the video. This this was the second single. This is the current current release, yes, actually. It um, it's excellent. It's really, really thank good. You. Thank you. Big shout out to Kerry, as always. Just a magnificent job. Um, yeah, she did, she did a great job because she really hates doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I mean, you're a team, like, to be fair. Yeah. It's, it's such a great effort amongst you all. Shout out to Pete as well. And James. Oh, James. Yeah. Yeah, James, James as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the video itself, again, you were back standing in a field. <laughs> yep. I just I just like the outdoors thing. There's there's yeah. something about being outside. It's just um it just really works. Because actually we had a different plan for the video. Um we actually went up the next day and reshot it. Oh, okay. Um, so we shot all the kind of studio stuff first. Mm. And then we had another idea um which we were gonna shoot. But after we started looking at the footage of what we had, and we were sort of trying to put this other B-roll sort of stuff in, okay. it was like that doesn't just doesn't sit, doesn't make sense, doesn't um, it just didn't feel right. It was like two very different narratives. So was it too busy, was, like 
it was a difference between um so you have the studio sort of studio stuff and then mm. we had other studio stuff which like b-roll stuff and it was it just it was very lifeless that was very okay. weird you know yeah. so we needed something a bit more organic and a bit you know just mm. a bit more a bit more life in it so i was like next day and the patient ran straight back up and did the sort of outside stuff you know yeah um no, it's, it's class there's there's a lovely scene that actually where kerry just focuses in on the butterfly yeah it was That's, things like it. we were just walking through a field just looking for that sort of, sort of delicate mm. parts of life and yeah uh, so we find it yeah. and it was like quick butterfly get it <laughs> i mean the symbolism of the butterfly in particular like, mm-hmm. it's always attached to music in some shape or form going right back you yeah know, but that was a lovely touch i just thought that was really nice with with the song yeah. like 2327 views man as of today yeah, it's not bad at all. I'm pretty happy mm-hmm. with that. Certainly in the the current climate, it's um, the views and the metrics and numbers and that are not what they were five years ago. You know, so um, yeah, that's true. Try, you try not to get consumed by numbers. I'm sure you're the same with your your listeners. Um, but also, if that's that's a very much a metric of success on this sort of internet world, but I really yeah. try not to get too wound up on it. But no, nah, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. And with the video on YouTube, you've attached the lyrics to it as well, which is great. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, kudos for that. Okay. Right. That's, as I said, great opening track. Next track is another Vulture. A brilliant track. It's actually one of my favorite tracks. Mm-hmm. And with everything in relation to the songs, Andy, there's certain segments I took out that I particularly like. And go. Cool. And we can discuss why, if you want, because yeah, obviously absolutely. I can't include the This whole... is the first sort of feedback I've had on the album. So this is, uh, this is very bizarre. Because <laughs> oh, no well. with no reviews in and we haven't spoken to anybody about it, you're our sort of first interview. So, well, oh, good. Done a, done a, did a interview typed out one, but this is yeah. the first chat I've had with somebody about it. So, okay. Okay, cool. right. So uh, this is the section I picked out. Anyway, you can comment on it afterwards. Okay.
Massive shout out to Gary for his drum work right throughout the album. Yeah, it's very good. This is particularly enjoyable as uh, a fan of his work. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy I still don't hate the production. This <laughs> <laughs> usually happens after listening to the thing for three or four times. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that, certainly. There's a nice bang of Paradise Lost off this. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Always a right. fan. Yeah, of course, man. Jesus. So we'll talk about the production. The instruments certainly have breathing room in this album. You haven't overcomplicated it, I think, which is to your credit, because sometimes bands do drown it in fucking reverb or, you know, but I think this this album is so clear um, with each instrument having breathing room, basically. And I think, therefore, to present it live, it shouldn't be a challenge, maybe. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, I mean, I, I deliberately try not to do too much. I usually start yeah. off putting fucking way too much in and then have to <laughs> dial it all way back. You know, as you say, too much reverb, too many guitars. Mm. And it's always a decision you have to make whenever you want to create just that wee bit more atmosphere. Like in that one, there's an overlay, which yeah. I can't do live. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. You can't do yeah. both. But the emphasis is in the weight of the rhythms, which I do live, and yeah. then do the tail at the end on its yeah. own. You know, so it's sort of, you always have to have that in your head. How, how far are you going to push it? You know, mm. and I think you see a lot of bands doing that, particularly three-piece bands, obviously, because they only have one guitarist more yeah. often than not. Um, bands like Diane Fetus, you know, you can tell that they've made that decision. Um, mm-hmm. Even Cattle Decapitation, I think, do a lot of single guitar shows, and you have to decide, what are you going to do? Pantera, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Can you remember this? Wrong 332. There's a lone guitar in the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of a musical break. Yes. Which bridges the two, in my head anyway, as a listener, there's two parts to the song. And mm-hmm. that, that lone guitar and musical break works really well for that part of the song. Strategy in relation to stuff like that. Are you aware of it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because when you're writing a track, you can s- sort of end up in some sort of autopilot of just getting to the end of the track. And it, c- it can become very boring for the mm-hmm. listener and for when you're playing it. And yeah. it's, and yeah, I think that's why going back to what I said earlier about the other tracks that have been, it was just that, you know, you can produce it at home quite to high, quite a high standard. So you think, oh, it sounds great. Mm. But when you really listen to it, it's just like that is just monotonous. It's the same place. Okay. So another vulture, by the time we get to that stage, I've already done a verse and a bit of a verse and a bit of a chorus. And it's like, it has yeah. to change. It has to yeah. amp up. Plus it's something else to say, because there's a bit in the middle lyrically where it's set aside with the sort of intro in the end, you yes. know, it changes yeah. in the middle. So it was like, it's a complete tempo map. It's a, the tempo changes and the key changes and you move away from the sort of the home note, which is sort yes. of, which you're waiting to get back to, which it drops into at the end. Yeah. So it's creating that tension and you, you know, when you're, I like to think when I'm listening to it anyway, you want to go back, but you want to see where this is going. And mm-hmm. then when it drops back, it's familiar, but it's slightly different than what it's we It's slightly different, yeah. That that actually works in a good few songs that are coming up yeah. as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, uh, I've, I've worked hard at trying to improve my songwriting um, the, the more I've done this. And thinking a lot more about what I'm actually trying to achieve when you're listening to it. You okay. Know? Well, Jesus, you have it in this, this album, certainly. You know, there's no song, in my opinion, that goes down a blind alley. And stays there, you know that kind of a yeah. There's no, there's, there's connection points right yeah. through and reference points right through, be it just different chord changes and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting there that 
another vulture and uh, March of the Worm both end strongly with the chorus mm-hmm. fading out to the end. Yeah. I don't know. Have you a certain template in relation to certain songs that will work well? Maybe you might keep that in your mind just as we're going through and you could indicate maybe one or two that might be coming up that you could say, yeah, actually that template worked well for that song. So mm-hmm. uh, Die Nazarene is the next song. Uh, is the first single. It was. Is that one of the best songs you've wrote, in your opinion? Gary would definitely say so. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Gary was basically the one that picked it. He was like, that's the single. I was like, Thy Nazarene is the way out. That is, that's how we have to hit the ground in this one. Um, for me personally, I, th- I think it's a very well-written song. I really do. I think yeah. it's it definitely works. Yeah. Um, I think my favourite is a different track. So Okay. Let's but, see if we yeah. agree on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. I'll play Thy Nazarene. Am I the worst you've ever been? Thy Nazarene. As you turn on me like dust, I rise. Oh, would you have me strike me? Thy Nazarene. the reception of that live Andy uh, I've only played yeah. it once so far and it was excellent 
Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely going to be a firm audience favorite. I know yeah. what it's like. To be honest, I was working so hard to play it properly <laughs> that um, you never looked. Up. I was I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to what was happening. I was just like, <laughs> oh fuck, this is so weird. I haven't played a new track for like three years yeah. live, so it was um, it's it's been a bit nervy course, coming yeah. back to them. But now we've got that one gig yeah. out of the way, we've done it. I'm just really looking forward to playing yeah. the new tracks yeah. now. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, it is. It's excellent. Joining you on the chorus for that, or is that you? That's me. Really? Mm-hmm. Fuck! I was just about to give Stuart a bit of credit there, man. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we we split the vocals live, obviously. Um, but when it comes to recording, to be honest, we're always under massive time pressures, and you know, trying to get people's lives to marry up to actually get Stuart okay. Ryan for the eight hours to get go through the vocal patterns for recording purposes. It's just we just don't have the time. So I tend just to do all the vocals myself, and then Stuart okay. learns them, and is you know after the fact. Um, for live right so yeah and it is a lovely section of the song with those added vocals on it yeah it's emphasizing the the melody that's there and you know the lyrics is where's the boy who hides when he weeps where's the boy whose lies i keep what's the song about in general andy uh again i don't like going into too much detail with these because yeah don't, <laughs> just skirt around um, it because they are they are very direct um lyrically um Long story short, it's just about people that make those decisions to abuse other people, no matter in what way. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the abuser doesn't tend to realize the impact it has on an individual. And this right. story is about the path that that individual goes on and the abuser knows nothing about it. And do they care? Does it matter? You know, yes. all of these actions yeah. for nothing, that sort of thing. Why, why okay. behave that way? You know, and then. Yeah. realizing the absolute catastrophic impact it has on, on other individuals. So that's kind of where the Nazarene's right. based upon. And the, there's another okay. aspect of it, of people that turn to religion and things like that. There's obviously a, a definite religious overtone in it. You know, mm-hmm. and ultimately yeah. that doesn't work either, depending on your belief system, yeah. because it's not real. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I agree with you on but, that 100%. Uh, coming up with the video for that. Yes, I was all down to carry. As, you, as normal when it comes to all our videos. Um, right. I had a rough idea about certain things I wanted to use, like the, the coins. And yes. we had to fight to try and find somewhere that was going to be grand enough and big enough with all the different environments to film it. And then obviously let Carrie hear the song and then she had a sort of eye, what sort of her narrative of what she saw of it. And obviously mm-hmm. the lyrical point of view we talked about. And then she came up with a storyboard. And we just put that into place once we started shooting it. Okay, where was the church that you shot it in? Was it a church? It was. It's a. It's an old warehouse in Belfast. Oh, okay. Um, Why did I think it was okay. a church? Maybe it was just a door well, or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, it sort of has that vibe to it, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it's just it's an old um, industrial warehouse uh, in Belfast, Fantastic. and owned by the council. So it's sort of very supportive of the arts. So you can borrow it for. I wouldn't say it's cheap, but it's not as expensive as it probably should be. Yeah, yeah. So we shot it in there. And fantastic video, like, yeah, no, it, it came out really well. Do you know, yeah. I'm I'm delighted with it. Um, Carrie worked very hard on it, and we had a good idea going in, and we learned a lot the, the more we make them. The lighting must have been difficult in something like that, and yeah, we brought our own lights. Um, but again, it was very much we knew what we wanted to achieve, so we had um, got a new light, brought it down, had the smoke to create that sort of texture, yeah. and you could see the yeah. light coming in, and we shot it some of it in 4K. 
kind of by error, but also it really <laughs> gave you that amazing detail. You can see it, particularly in the stuff of Stuart. Um, just the smoke is just so crisp, like, you know, it's yeah. that 4K footage, which, you know, you destroyed the camera and the computer. <laughs> so <laughs> not doing that again. Oh, man. Yeah. Or just get a bigger budget. Yeah. Or a budget. <laughs> or a budget, yeah. yeah. You need a budget, you know, yeah. it's it's all uh, out of our pockets. So we're writing very, very, very that uh, song, Andy, what was the the main riff? Can you remember writing the main riff going, shit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 just that opening riff. Yeah, actually, what I would consider the main riff rather than the chorus, which is what people tend to think as of the yeah. main riff. But um, without getting into the semantics of it, we're tuned to B, but it's ultimately all in G. If it was a really good real guitar, <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what fucking note it's on. I'm shit with music, so. <laughs> but it's fat string, third fret, the whole, <laughs> the whole song, the whole first. I think three two minutes of the track is all in the same place. Like it doesn't move off that. Yeah. Um, and, so I was trying to create different sounds and textures and heavy to clean, you know, to do okay. that. And writing it, when you came up with it, can you vividly remember it? Were you, did you yeah. realize straight away I went, holy shit, this is a, this is a good one. I remember really liking the sort of down, 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 down yeah. at the start. I remember just yeah. really liking the sort of hypnotic vibe to it. And then the sort of very heavy stuff to contrast that. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that took a, took a, took a. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. And the irony is Gary hated it. Throw <laughs> <laughs> so, under the bus there. <laughs> yeah, no, I took it to practice. and Because it has a, I don't know whether people pick up on these things or not, but um, I'm quite a, I like a bit of metalcore as well. Mm. So I thought there was a bit of a, you know, a bit of sort of yeah. staccato type metalcore vibe to it. Maybe I'm the only one that can hear that, but um, so I think Gary Maybe was Maybe if you speeded it up. Yeah, so a guy <laughs> was just like, I don't not really sure I like that. Um, and I really had to talk him into it. Um, uh -huh. Then he sort of came up with a drum beat he was happy with. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, fine, it can stay. But he made yeah. me take it. I was actually going to put it back in at the end. And he made me take it out and change it to the other, the other riff. So the end of the song was completely Gary's idea. <laughs> yeah. And he was the one then that pushed it for a single. Yeah, that was his idea. It was just like, oh, it's the best song, hands down. Let's do it. So I was like, yeah, fair, fair enough. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So track four, Bound to the Negative. My favorite track of the album. You said it, bro. Best track. Touché. Hands down. Best track of the album. I totally agree. <laughs> Good. Okay, let's play it and we'll talk about it.
Yeah, man. Incredible. Incredible, my friends. Interesting that you like that so much. <laughs> no, I fucking adore it. There's so much going on with it. Um, it's the closest you'll get to a Doom anthem anyway. Yeah, yeah. You no, literally I, I really like it. a Doom anthem there. Whether yeah. you like it or not, man. Yeah. That chorus there, bound to the negative. We are something we can never be, bound to the negative, swallowed to pieces of our misery. Jesus, like, incredible. It's good. I like yeah. it. Yeah. We, we played it live as well. So oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we totally played it at Derry. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's a fucking that's a hard song to play, despite it is, man. how we all sound. It um takes a bit of work. So I'm really looking forward to getting that. That's going into the set, definitely. Just put my foot down that one as like a tap man. I love yeah. that song. Yeah, and up to the fourth minute, you've got your doom anthem, as I called it. And then there's another structural change in the song after yeah. that, which brings the dread, as I would say. And mm-hmm. I'm picturing you as the narrator. Mm-hmm. And again, <clears throat> I think there's like a lot of personal conflicts coming through that are mirrored by the music. Yeah, no, absolutely. The okay. The song itself, um, by the negative, is um, there's there are two kind of narratives happening sort of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, one is people being jealous of what you know, relationships people have. And the and then the effects of that sort of jealousy, trying to tear things down, and then there's things like even um, just success in life in general, or the very small things that people see in other people that they wish they had, yeah. and they don't have it, so they find ways to bring people down rather than mm-hmm. find a way to bring themselves up. So it's kind of all based around that jealousy, envy. You know, yeah. what is the difference between the two? And at the start, that sort of first, as you say, first three or four minutes is all based on that sort of self-loathing, very internal sort of conflict of being unhappy with who you are, where you are. And then mm-hmm. people that are like that tend to become, they can be very dangerous people despite their pacificity, if that's a sort of term. Yeah, no, no, yeah. And then it's what they do, that sort of venom that comes out of people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the twist in the song comes. That's where yes. the heavy riffs come in yes. and more vile nice. and vile esteemed. You know, that yeah. sort of vile behavior that yeah. people make when they do that. And then ultimately it it doesn't doesn't help. It doesn't change anything. Even mm-hmm. if you tear someone down, it doesn't change who you are. Yeah. So it switches back to the clean and it's just like it doesn't matter. Which yeah. is again the overall narrative. The overall of, team, yeah. Yeah, just all this for nothing. It's like, you know, people go through that process to try and change something. And it's like you're trying to change the wrong thing. You can only yeah. change what you do, you know, yeah. changing others has no impact on who you are you yes. know so love it that's i think that's why that song just stands out to me it's so important and it's it really resonates i really like it yeah i suppose that rift that's driving it up to those four <clears throat> minutes especially the the chorus that riff itself it's fucking it's fabulous talk, talk to us about that how did you discover that um, which one's that? Is that at the break you're talking about, or the sort of bind to the negative chorus? It's the actual chorus. Yeah, there's actually really is only three notes in that. <laughs> it's, it's not an awful lot happening. It's mm. actually very much driven yeah. by the drums and the bass, sort of carry the the notes of yeah. it, like you know, um, mm. really not locking on the guitar, you know, bizarrely. Yeah, but it's just that those combination of notes. It's just fucking. Yeah, Man, I'm sure a, a proper musician could tell really you good. why that works, <laughs> but I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I just like the sound of it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Right, track five, Leaving the Skin. Any thoughts on that before I play it? Uh, it was the first track we wrote 
sort of of that new batch of tracks. You know, we sort of, as I say, Sparrow March, The Worm of Britain. Oh, right. okay. And that was the start of this whole, basically the other four, the core, core of the album. This was the first song we wrote. Okay, leaving the Skin. fucking stuff again you've got a fantastic rhythm section there massive shout out to oh, yeah. Stu that's and the, Gary again that's where the weight that is track, that's man. where the weight is Shines it's not through. the guitar it's all in the kicks it and is. drums that's, that's where the weight is yeah that section why I picked this just to contrast again the way you've worked with the vocals on that let's maybe talk about that and the why did you just check that section alone for to put in um, again the melody it was all Whenever I record any vocal, um, to any song, I was sort of have the music all written. I have a rough idea where I want to put the lyrics and whatever have you. But uh, I have a pretty good home studio setup, as most people know. So I just put headphones, get a mic on, and do maybe eight or nine hours just singing over the tracks. But I always start with a clean vocal, and I have done for 20 years now on recording anything I've written. And then I translate that into okay. the death metal vocal more often than not. Um, right. I tend to let some of the clean vocals sit, and I have done on both of our last albums, yeah. but I've just kept them very, very slight. Just, I don't know, maybe just I know they're yeah. in there. Uh, whereas in this one, but usually they're not, they don't really work. They're just, I just use it to try and get the structure because death metal vocals can be very boring. Mm -hmm. So I really work hard to try and get yeah. some sort of structure based on a clean melodic vocal. And this time I was just listening back to it and I was like, Do you know what? I fucking really like that. And I didn't even yeah. speak to Gary or Stuart about it. I didn't consider how I was going to do it live or if I was going to do it live. I just left it in. 
Um, so I wouldn't be 100% yeah. confident in my vocal doing that, which is why you have that slight saturation on it and a bit of reverb and that, and it's doubled up mm. studio trickery. Um, but I was like, yeah. yeah, do you know what? It works and emphasizes that li- those lines, so I'm just going to put it in. Yeah, and it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, like my magpie type qualities coming out, just yeah. picking sections. Of, like it's so hard, man, just to fucking try and get a, a minute, minute and a half out of these yeah. songs. I was like, half but... waiting and Gary Stewart come back and going, you're not leaving that in, are you? <laughs> so and it, it, the conversation <laughs> still hasn't come up about it, uh, which is really go, weird. Man. So I don't know why they just went, fuck, that's a bit mad, let's not say anything, or they really like it. <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah. Again, some great changes in the song structure. Yeah, that was in, um, in this one. That was, as I said, it was the first one where we really, really started to concentrate on the structures to really try and differentiate um things um so yeah it was just all based on that did that song come together in rehearsals as a an entity more so than you actually sitting down writing it yourself um i'm trying to think that one it was a good it was a wee while ago but i think i had it more or less i think i had it all written um at home by myself and i pretty much stuck to it which is why i think uh, when we brought the rehearsal it took us a while to gel with it but i was like this is the this is the path we're on for the songs. This is the sort of style of songwriting we want to be moving towards. So I would say that was that was step one in this sort of new songwriting structures I was trying out and thinking about how I'm going to do things more. Okay, cool. Right, leaving the skin itself, the title. It's basically about empathy, you know, um, judgments and trying not to judge people and trying to understand that people aren't always judging you either. You know, paranoia <laughs> that goes with that. And it's about yeah. leaving the skin as to, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And then I think there's an aspect of it which my mind wanders towards leaving the skin entirely based on it to see what happens. Mm. You know, which yeah. is sort of where the okay. end of the song lies to, which leaving our skin in December comes from. Why empathize, why sympathize, yeah. Okay, another personal favorite, A Light We Cannot See. Let's uh, play it.
Embrace the chugging riff. Yeah, it's pretty pretty chuggy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Fair play to you, Andy. That is immense. Um, <laughs> Thank it, you. <laughs> do you know what it reminds me of now? You might laugh at that now, but there is beautiful vibes of Metallica's Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Coming through there. Okay. Just, just leading through there in the um, background. It's funny you say that because... Uh, is it that one, Danny? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, me and Gary call it the Orion bit from Master of Puppets. Yeah, it's the okay. same. Am I getting it? Am I getting it mixed? No, it it, it's well, it's it's basically Metallica. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, was, they yeah. play the same type of riffs. I that's how I learned to play guitar, playing along yeah. to Master Puppets. And so, you know what? Isn't it fucking lovely to acknowledge it? Yeah. So it was just like you know what? Because remember playing it and going. Mate, that's actually the same notes from Orion. And he was like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> so by the time we finish with it, it sounds nothing like it. I mean, I get that, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's just that underlying vibe, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah, there was something just classic about it. It was, I, would, it I don't is, do that sort of thing is. very often. And I don't really like go. classic metal per se. I mean, I've had this conversation with everyone. Everyone hates me. I don't like Motorhead. I don't like Black mm. Sabbath. I don't like Aussie. I don't really like a lot of Metallica, bar the first, well, Ride the Lightning and Puppets. Um, yeah. But every now and again, I'm just like, yeah, do you know what? I love that. That's great. It's a great mm. classic. To steal a quote from Danielle, straight in, no kissing. Go straight for the throat. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Again, by the time you've written two or three tracks and, you know, you've done your intro, you've done your clean intro, you've done your long mm. intro, it's like, you know, what's left? I was like, you have to mix it up. You have to do something different. Yeah. So it was like, I'm really done. They're just straight in, you know, straight in mm. for that. Um, vocal, so that's why I thought. Yeah, I even left. The, the, you can hear a bit of I'm fucking about in the guitar, trying to get ready to record, and you can hear the string noise. And I was like, "That's the only warning you're going to get. It's coming in." So I just left. Yeah, in. you have the melodic section after around a minute and a half, just to kind of give the listener a break from the miserable, kind of almost claustrophobic atmosphere that the song conjures. Mm-hmm. You do that a lot. You're almost guaranteed you will circle back to this claustrophobic atmosphere it's present right through the songs and mm. in each song there's lovely melodies just to break away from it but this is what you do man you, you're a fucking dealer in misery as well and I love that the way you can circle back and just fucking give it as it is man at the end and that's a personal favourite as well yeah like no I, I like that one it's, uh, it's a big good track to do live as well I'm looking forward to trying that one okay yeah I was just going to say that man you haven't tried it yet what no. way is it like in rehearsals is it, is it a tough one are you busy with the what have we done I'm not even sure there's a lot there's quite a few of the tracks we because we were in such a rush to get it done um, mm-hmm. don't even think we played it together pretty much. Uh, I think we have done that one. Gary and I played that one a lot because that's where we wrote that midsection because um, okay. we had a different part and Gary was like, oh, do you know, he was. I could see he was on the fence about it so I was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> so I went home and I fucking just removed that section of the song and was like, do something else or yeah, something like that. So I just came in with that sort of what I would call a very classic heavy metal, you know, like, and then Gary came up with a kick drum thing. You know, because I'd sort of thought it would just go straight in, and guy was like, "No, it has to be that." Dan, there you go. I was like, "Really? That's a bit obvious." He was like, "Yeah, I don't care. It's fucking class." Well done, Gary. Yeah, no, no, Gary's guy. He's got a very, he's a good ear for songs and build ups. It's what he does. It's what he likes. Okay, so you produced it, mastered it, the whole lot. You have described songwriting as a painful process to a degree. Fucking awful. No, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Why can't you enjoy it more? 
Um, I, I don't know. I think it's because there's there's such an expectancy. Either okay, you know, you just you really want it to be amazing. You want everything to be amazing. I want to write. I want to write the our version of Master of Puppets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. whenever you're writing, you're just you sort of play a riff and you go, "That's fucking brilliant." And you're going, I, I, I can't. How am I going to put this into the songs? It has to be the best. I don't want to put anything else in in case it's not good enough. And it's, it's paralyzing and it's, it's so confusing when you're trying to. I, I find it confusing when I'm trying to write music to make sure it's the best. And you never really know if you're going the wrong way because it's all you. So yeah, you're, you're overthinking. You're trying to outthink. Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no, there's no greater critic than yourself. And it's of course, there's yeah. shocking self-doubt well, as a songwriter when you're writing songs because you're just like, no, none of this is good enough. It's, it's definitely not. Um, so you think the louder voice in your head, the dialogue that's in your head is always casting doubts more so. Do you just find that with Stu and Gary there that you need that reassurance off them? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Stuart. Is there anyone else? Maybe Pete or um, yeah. James? Stuart's very supportive of everything. You know, he is. He's pretty much just like, no, nah, man, okay. if you've got this, you'll get it. You'll get it. Um, okay. And Gary would be slightly more in the whole, yeah, I don't really, I don't really feel in that, which then creates more self-doubt because I'm like, okay. fuck, I really thought that yeah. bit was good and now you don't like that bit. So mm. sometimes it makes me go away and think about it and I go, yeah, do you know what? No, I'm fucking, I fucking know this is good. Or... <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? He's fucking right. I need to do something else. I need to just fucking scrap that completely. Um, yeah. And I understand the two guys are always a bit, they don't want to, I bring up an entire song, lyrics, demoed, all riffs, and them go, don't like it, Andy. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> not, a, I can't imagine that being an easy predicament to be in. Um, yeah. So, and I'm see, not, you I'm, get your revenge on them because you're producing them. Yeah, and I know. Them. And I know I'm not always so the you can most. Just go. Uh, that's actually shit. Takes you. Do yeah, it again. <laughs> exactly. But uh, and I know I'm not always the most approachable either because I can be quite vehement about what I want and how I want to do things. Um, yeah. So, so run, you're so, not mellowing with age, no? No, no. I just no, I don't think so. I think it all becomes just even more important um, to a degree. But I mean, I run stuff by Pete, but he's not really into the band as the music as much. He, although he does think this yeah. is the best thing he's done, he's way more into Excellent. this stuff. And of yeah. other mates that are just like, yeah, just either don't get it or they're just like, fuck, I don't know what you're doing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the last track, Sparrow, the reworked version. I'd be intrigued to hear what you reworked in this.
still proud of that one, Andy. Yeah, I really like that song. Funny, I was thinking about it this week. We have a very definite set list um, for the upcoming shows. And we actually took that out because we toured it so much. Um, but I really want to put it back in. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so what so. I did in Reaper was I dropped this version and I dropped in the old version and I played them right through together. Okay. And what does that show you? I, I struggled to find the difference. Yeah, it's identical. Yeah, okay. So there yeah. isn't any... No, it's a it's a re-recording. Everything is completely re-recorded. Um, but, and I did think about speeding it up ever so slightly because we tend live to play things a wee bit faster. Um, but I just decided no. Um, Sparrow was put out at a very specific time. I didn't really like it because it was recorded on its own. I wasn't really delighted with the guitar tone, so okay. I just thought, you know what, let's put it back out. Let's do the same thing. Just fix the fix the fix the tones, you know. Okay, so that's so all it that. was. Yeah, and mm-hmm. to be honest, I remember uh, being a kid and listening to bands that re-recorded tracks, and I fucking hated when they changed it. It really fucking annoyed me. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. like I mean, Deicide. I distinctly remember just loving the Amon facing the beast, and then. Even though it sounded terrible, apparently, mm. and then when I got Deicide, side, Deicide, side, it was like I really much preferred Sacrificial Suicide on Eamon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I understand. So, yeah. yeah, I just decided, no, do you know what? Let's not, let's not fuck with it. Let's just leave it mm. be. Now you did fuck with it in another way because you put it as track four, I think, or track three on the cassette. It moves. <laughs> Yes, it moves, it flies. All, all, there are a lot of songs that move depending on the format that you choose to get. Okay, so why? Tell me. Um, I guess it's um, there's a few things. So modern music is not digested very well and that a, a 45-minute album, people tend to listen to three to four tracks. That's really okay. what you're looking at and I'm guilty of it and whatever i don't really people can do what they like mm-hmm. um so i suppose when it came to trying to work out the track order our music is predominantly listened to on streaming services that's okay. a fact um, we sold i think 500 copies of wolves and hideous white on cd and 50 tapes you know that's it and um, the rest of it the other you know whatever it is i'm not sure what it is thousand plays a month something like that are all digital mm-hmm. So, and they're listened to in a very specific way. And people usually get to track three or four and then they buy out. You know, that's just the way of it. So when it came to this album, it was like, we need to put what we consider the best songs. Front load it. Front load load the album with what we consider to be the best songs. Um, And that's how we loaded it. However, when it came to the vinyl, it's completely different in that. Which I bought. Good man. I don't know. Do you notice that? Yes, I see it. I see everything, Richie. <laughs> so the, the vinyl is a completely different listen. It's genuinely, um, it's like a director's cut. It's how the songs should actually move and the lyrics are sort of designed oh, to move. Nice. Um, okay. So the, the vinyl listen, people that listen to vinyl tend to put an album on. They give themselves a period of time. They sit down, they drop a needle. We get a coffee, pour a beer, cup of tea, yeah. whatever, or big spliff. I don't know. Whatever people do when they listen to vinyl or just sit there, but they're making a very conscious decision to listen to it. So those are the people that need to hear the album flow the way it's in my head, the way it actually should flow. 
rather okay. than this other version. So is it a different listing on the vinyl? The vinyl is completely different to the CD and the streaming, and the cassette is slightly different again. Um, okay. Because so the vinyl is the truest. Yeah, version I, I think I think the it. vinyl is the is the definitive listening experience. Buy the vinyl, people. Yeah, twenty bucks. <clears throat> but it has to be listened to in one setting, otherwise it doesn't work. You know. Okay. And Fair enough. So I think people that listen on the internet or streaming services will get lost if they knock it off. You know, after three or four tracks. Whereas if you mm-hmm. listen to the the streaming the way it is at the moment on the CD, um, you can get three or four tracks in and you can stop and it you get an overarch of the whole message, if you okay. like. And the cassette yeah. was just slightly different because whenever I got the vinyl version, um, I just wanted to move Sparrow. Just there's something about the cassette. I don't know why. I can't remember. And I just thought, do you know what? I want that to be ever so slightly different. So I moved it again. <laughs> so the cassette, the CD and the vinyl are all completely different running orders, which was a nightmare yeah. for duplication and of artwork and every time we got a proof we we read it and then somebody went fuck me the running order is not right i was like sure we changed it and i was like oh fuck it was that for the cassette of the vinyl you know so yeah shout out to pat of the smashing skull sessions whose review i nearly tore up <laughs> i mean pat they're all <laughs> the wrong fucking songs man yeah no going, they're really not no, and- they can't be he goes they can't be i went off i checked he goes i went off band camp and i went off yeah, I don't know the, the promo copy the the record label sent us. Yeah, I don't, and, I don't even uh, know. I don't. I don't know if that's. I'm sure we're not the first person in the world to do that. I just can't believe it's caused so much upset because I've had several people come back to me going, <laughs> "The running order's wrong," and I was like, "No, it, it it's not. It's it's specific as to what you're listening it, how you're listening to it." I was talking to oh fuck, why did I bring up his name now? If I can't think of it, and myself and Howard interviewed Brad Bowett, right? He's a famous producer, mixer, master over in America. Who is this guy you were talking to? Brad Boatwright. Okay. Sorry, not familiar. I probably should know this. You should do. But (laughs) (laughs) he was saying that when he gets music sent to him to master, that people that send it to him should know the difference in relation to what he expects of him for mastering an LP, a vinyl, and that there is a difference in relation to the sound quality and the expectation of the mix when he gets it. Now, mm-hmm. he he works his magic on it as well, obviously, but he said there is a distinctive uh, difference in relation to putting something on vinyl and CD and digital. Were you aware of that yes. when you were sending off? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it was um, obviously I mixed and mastered the whole thing anyway um, yeah. for each yeah. format. Uh, it... I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously that guy's a professional. He knows way more than I do. Um, yeah. I don't doubt that for a minute. Um, but I, from my understanding, the whole digital versus vinyl, it's really just to keep the grooves correct so the needle doesn't jump. And, you know, modern music digitally is just compressed so hard mm. to keep that volume. Um, yeah. It depends how much you're into the whole volume more. You know, does it matter? You know, you can produce something mega hot and have it really fucking loud. And then by the time it hits Apple or Spotify, they compress everything to the same know, volume yeah. all by themselves. So like, it really yeah. doesn't matter. And I have mastered things for vinyl before and I've used the same master as the CD and it's it's worked and come out fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but however, I'm not a professional mastering house. So perhaps my digital master isn't as hot so therefore it works in vinyl. So 
Okay. I, would, I would imagine it's somewhere in the middle. I think my mastering mm. is probably better suited to vinyl because it's not hot enough. Um, but it maybe lacks a little bit on the CD and di- or sorry, lacks probably more on the the digital side of things. It wouldn't mm. be as loud. Well, yeah. Watch the interview with him, Andy. Yeah. It's, it's actually a great interview. Myself yeah. and Howard. Um, yeah, he's he's really good at what he does. Obviously. Let's talk about your recording setup. Yeah, it broke this week. So. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> Um, so you you invested in Mac Studio anyway? Yeah, um, I basically use uh, I'm I'm a Mac operating system. Uh, not that it matters, but that's what I use. So I have an RME Fireface UFX2, which is a 36 channel interface, um, which allows me to put a lot of fucking microphones mm. basically into it, and it goes into the computer. That's really yeah. it, and that's all I use. I have a UFX interface and a Mac Studio. And that's it. Okay. There's no logic. And yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, this is an audio workstation. I use logic. Yep. Okay. And plugins. Okay. If you want to get into that detail, I tend to use, um, I can't remember what I, a lot of native stuff, to be honest, and logic. And okay. I used Ozone to master it. Um, that was really it. Not an awful lot. Just, I think about it. Is that simple enough, Ozone? Um, It's not bad i think you I mean you can get if you use the presets you can actually get a fucking a good master out of it as far okay. as i'm concerned yes um but what so what i do is i sort of sort of pick a preset and then manipulate it but mm-hmm. <laughs> i um did a lot of cheating this time around i was using ozone 5 because i bought it a million years ago and <laughs> we're now at ozone 9 and I just couldn't get the master to sit where I wanted. It was really annoying me. And I actually sent the CD out or the, the, the mix out to about five or six mastering houses to get them to master it for me because I was just having so many problems with it. Mm. And I got it back and I went, yeah, it's okay, but I, I do really want to pay a thousand pounds for something that sounds that much better than what I can do. It's, yeah. not, it's just not a good use of my money. So then I downloaded a trial of Ozone 9 and I had 10 days to create a whole new master so i did that and there's this new feature in ozone where you can basically input um a, a proper a real album and it just basically shows you where all their eqs are sitting in the master and i was oh, able to okay. push up bits that i needed to push up or bring down things and i could see so i can't remember what i put in um maybe the last part i saw album something like that and a behemoth track just to see, because Behemoth would tend mm. to be very, very compressed yes. and a really hot compression. And mm. then Paradise Lost, a wee bit more air. So I think we try to go somewhere in the middle. So I was able to see, you know, Behemoth, I could see they were pushing this and suppressing that to create that very hot master. Paradise yeah. Lost had a bit more air here. So I could really see what was happening as well as here. So Fucking I just hell. used all the tools in it to kind of mimic that yeah. sort of thing. And when I exported it, was like, holy fuck, that's, do you know what? That's fucking dead on. Yeah. So. So birthday present, Christmas present for Andy or a GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's a, I, I think I'm really happy with the production. I think I'm delighted mm-hmm. with the way it yeah, came out. Excellent. Um, yeah. if you, I think if you listen to it by itself, it's fine. Um, you can listen to it against a lot of extreme metal and I don't think it fails against it. I mean, you put on Cattle Decapitation and you, the last one and you really listen to it and you put on ours, it's dramatically different, but yeah. it's very different music and they go for a very slick, oh, I hate to use the word overproduced, that's not what I mean, just a very, very produced sound. 
Um, yeah. Ours is definitely a bit more raw because we've well, recorded by a guitar player. <laughs> yeah. And I just loved your struggles with setting up the the drum kit, which is obviously the nightmare. Everything's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I drum tune pro. Do a plug for it, man. Okay. Oh, how important <laughs> is it for the crawling? It's now critical. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Gary's Gary's changed his kit for years by year. And this time he got, he got some app and he was like, you know what, let's just have a look at this. And then the two of us sort of learned as we went along mm. how to really tune a kit, like really tune it and why. And it was like, huh, there you go. 25, 30, well, I say 30 years of playing live, and now we actually finally understand the importance of tuning a kit. And it gave me very specific frequencies, which I knew I was going to get when I went to mix it. Okay. So it was like, it worked. okay, the floor tom is now sitting at about, I can't remember, was it 74 hertz, something like that? Oh, yeah, all the levels, man. Yeah. So I was like, well, there's no point in putting the bass guitar in the 74 hertz range because the, the floor tom's there, so I'll never hear it. So let's move the bass down between the mm. floor and the kick. And I gave it this lovely pocket of weight because you can really hear the bass, but it's not yeah. its not interfering with anything. No. But I sort of did that with every instrument and tom and stuff. So Gary nailed it in six hours. Yes. He said he was going Amazing. to do it like three and a half or something retarded, but that was never happening. <laughs> so not only did you fucking mix master the whole lot, you also talked about like someone for fucking... Punishing himself, you also tried filming the whole process, and then you had to obviously edit. Yes. <laughs> Why not? What, what you were producing, and I'd, like Andy, come on. Yeah, do you know, there's not enough hours in the day to do this. Like, no, you there's did not. Fucking incredibly well, man. Well, Just thank to, you. It's uh, it is fucking hell. There's no two ways about it. I am definitely feeling that this time there has just been so much work. And yeah. then we played live and then I had to edit those videos and try and do vlogs for that. And I'm Sick. trying to, I designed all I, I designed all the artwork as well and all the merchandise. I did all those, all the artwork layout and design layout for that as well. Jesus. So yeah, it was just getting a bit fucking hell, man. And then obviously yeah. that's before you even get into the PR side of things and the social media posting. But yeah, I, I like the vlog and stuff. So I like recording everything. And yeah. It's a genuinely for me, it's a, it's a great personal memory. I'll tell people this all the time. It's like, how can you be fucked recording things? You know, how do you, why do you do the vlog thing? But as a, whenever I was younger, I, I barely took a photograph of me playing live, you know, in 1997, mm. 98. Whereas okay. now I have a whole, I have the whole crawling journey on video. You like have, it's just you fucking literally have, you know, yeah. I think probably most of those views are me after 10 cans of beer going, fuck, that was good fun. Ah, that was good fun doing Slovenia or whatever, you know, so yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's nuts. It's nuts what you've done. The CD, LP, and digital layout. So we mentioned Travis Smith, who's yes. worked with you a few times. Did you give him a brief? Yes. He absolutely smashed okay. it as well. Um, it's incredible. I did the usual yeah, thing fabulous. because I do remember Gary saying around December, you know, something like, should we, should we tell Travis about the album? But I was so stressed about mixing it and mastering it. Or sorry, we hasn't even recorded at that stage. Yeah, I was so stressed about thinking of recording. And and then this sounds very ungrateful. I don't mean it to sound this way. And then we were offered the carcass dates, and it was like fucking hell, fucking carcass in the middle of this. This is not good timing. <laughs> um, which was fucking phenomenal, I might add. Yeah. So yeah, I got the I got the Travis a wee bit later than I should have done, and we okay. put him we put him under massive pressure. I mean, he was a fucking superstar because we are way down. <laughs> yeah. His work streams like, um, but you know what. 
I just told him what the album was about. I sent him the demos because we hadn't even got it finally mixed at that stage. Mm-hmm. And he just came back and he was like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I hear. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. You know, oh, holy shit. And he actually designed it specifically for us. Previously in the past, he's had something he's been working on that he's sort That's of- That's what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, previously the Wolves and Anatomy Lost, he had something and he was working mm-hmm. with it and was like, you know, I think this no. might, fit, might fit you guys. Do you want to- but this time it was a blank canvas. You fucking know it, man. You know, you know it straight away. A, um, which is weird. amazing on the t-shirts as well. And yeah, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that comes out. But he just, he, he kept sending us all these updates and we weren't used to seeing something in steps. So the oh, first time was okay. a bit, fucking hell, is that it? You know, <laughs> that's, that's very, very vague and a bit, you yeah. know, out there. But the more he yeah. built, he was just, he just, he makes these slightest changes and the whole thing just, all of a sudden it was finished and I was like, wow, that is, that is it. It was, yeah. it was just so class and he was so good. This, I mean, the amount of work he put in, it was just incredible. Like there's so much to admire about it. I mean, it is, it's something that should be hung up in a wall mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. It's a lovely image. But I love the fact that you can make up your mind about the footsteps, either they're coming out of the water or going into the water. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose it just you know, depends what you say, isn't it? Because it is. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like the way he left that open-ended. That's cool. The yeah. symbols on it are this Travis's or your ideas? Which bits? There's uh, symbols on the CD. Oh no, and... that was that was mine. No, I designed okay. the AOFN with the sort of key type sort of affair. Was yeah. all my idea. Um, just sort of bit of a bit of a throwback to Wolves and um, mm. just that whole sort of key type thing. You know the. You know, there's always a continuity. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just sort of, I just like that i that idea of it. Um, so yeah. that's, that's kind of what it, what it was aimed into. That sort of. Okay. It's not really an inverted cross, but no, that's what it looks like. It was meant to be sort of a key symbolism, the solution, if you like. When are you going to get the chance to sit back and fucking relax, have a cigar and a beer, and maybe go? I did a good job. I think I just maybe it's just, still full on, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, having said that, I was just on holiday there for two weeks, so I had a lot of stuff sort of I had to get everything sorted before I went on holiday mm. uh, and I did for the first time ever because I have done this previously and it didn't work and I went on holiday a wee bit stressed <laughs> which is ridiculous <laughs> whenever it's yeah. supposed to be heavy metal um, but no yeah. I, had, I had a lot of stuff squared away I had the, the merch was ordered the pre-orders were done um, the videos were done the PR company was happy so I went away and I just had a, a beautiful two weeks in the Maldives so I think I think I've nice. had it and okay. now I'm back and we have I would say two years of proper work ahead of us you know, mm-hmm. to, to really push this and see where it takes us. Yeah. Merch costings and stuff. Who did it for you? Oh, shit. Okay. I can't talk about it. <laughs> Fucking oh. it got really out of hand really, really quickly. Um, because of the, the amount of orders <laughs> that came in, is it? Um, it just the, how much I wanted to do. Like I say, okay. I just this this is the album. I I know it's the album. It's yeah. it's the best thing I've personally ever done. Um mm-hmm. it was just like, do you know what? Let's just go fucking balls deep into this. Abs everything. Everything has to happen. Um, from the Mandela Hall to <laughs> all the release shows. We've never done proper yeah. city releases. It was like, yeah. yep, Limerick's getting it first, then we're gonna do Belfast or Dublin, then we're gonna do Belfast. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like building up and building up. And then it was like, what merch, what t-shirt design are we getting? I was like, um, we're getting like five, <laughs> you know. Um, and we had the okay. obviously, I'm a big fan of paying artists for artwork because I can't do yeah. art. I wish I could. Yeah. It's the last piece of the puzzle I can't do. It's the last piece of the puzzle. And so yeah. 
we paid a lot of artists and that was it was a reasonable fee on that but we just ended up spending a lot of money on artists and we sort of forgot about and then the designs kept coming and it was like fuck that's good let's do that and that's good let's do that Mm. and then when we sent it for the quote for the merch it was like christ the fucking night and then the vinyl quote came in and that was extortion well it's not extortionate it's just it's what it's what it costs yeah and cds are more expensive than what i remember the cassettes Mm -hmm. were more expensive yeah. Uh, it's just like had Brexit hang to do with this now, by the way. Um, I, I don't know. Possibly, I guess. I mean, I suppose okay. all raw materials are more expensive now. I, I mean, mm. Jesus Christ, a, a chicken breast doubled in price. Was, so I'd imagine a CD has. Who's doing the merch line for you? Uh, pins and knuckles. Pins and pins knuckles. And, yeah, always, course, always yeah. pins and knuckles. Um, yeah. they just they've just worked with us for years. No, they, I understand. The quality's good, and I've given them crazy deadlines in the past and they've done it um, yep. i mean i remember getting the carcass shows and we needed i wanted a new shirt because we had no merch left and it was like you have six days and they hit the day before we left to go on tour with carcass so it was just like yeah they are fantastic and treated us brilliantly okay. um, they, they made mistakes don't get me wrong we've had errors but it was just like this is fucked look at this and they're yeah. like send the whole box back don't worry about it you know we'll get it picked up yeah. we'll have your new ones in two days mm. and that's, that's what they've Brilliant. done Given them about 30 grand in the last fucking six years. <laughs> but come here, look, you're renowned for your merch. Isn't that a nice thing to fucking have as a band? Yeah, no, it's 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 really... Um, Probably, it's... I would say you're in the top tier of Irish Thank bands you. that fucking sell fantastic merch. It's, it's just it's just a given, like... No, it's, 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 very, it's very important, you know. I'm, it is, absolutely. It's, I hate... You're representing your brand. Like... Yeah, but I, I've been to see so many bands that I really enjoy, and I've looked at the T-shirts <laughs> and went really <laughs> you know yeah. fucking hell that i'd have to say you know eat fuck or whatever even though that was cool but you know what i mean something shite on the back and i just like that's now not wearable thank you you know so um yeah merchandise is really important to me i like i like it to be of a certain quality and okay we pay way too much for it than what we should i know i but, know you know but especially as all of this I... is for nothing anyway <laughs> <laughs> Who will remember? <laughs> yep, somewhere along the line, my flan really end up on the fucking landfill site. So, yeah, it's, it's whatever. Okay, we're going to do a quick fire round. Are you ready? Go for it. So, you're going to have to give me one answer right out of two. Okay. Ready? Go for it. My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost. My Dying Bride. Nando's or McDonald's? Nando's. Recording or writing? Oh. Monk. That's a writing. <laughs> writing. Okay. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Brand Stroker's Dracula? Uh, Frankenstein. Guinness or Harp? Guinness. Cork or Dublin? Cork. Driver or Passenger? Driver. Alien or Predator? Predator. Hetfield or Mustang? Hetfield. Gibson or Fender? Gibson. Thank you. And I retract the one about, what was that one, Two Goes Back? No, it was definitely Alien. don't know why I was thinking of Predator. Oh, why? Because I watched <laughs> someone show Claude Van Damme last night because he was Predator for a wee while. That was in my mind. So I had to go back and change that to Alien. <laughs> okay. This defeats All the right. purpose entirely, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I know, man. That's great. That's you good, you answer fucking spectacularly well. Thank you for that. So look. Very welcome. Let's wind it down and I'll just sum up the way I feel about the album. It's a powerful, incredible, emotional album. The Crawling's Finest Hour. Congratulations to yourself, Stu and Gary. Thank you. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Just wish you now the success you deserve. 
the time you put into it, the love, everything, man. And look, it's there in spades. Anybody that buys it will realize it very fast that it's cool. just your best album yet. It's the third one. You did a fantastic job yourself, Stu and Gary. So congratulations, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. So you've been listening to Andy from The Crawling. Check out their Bandcamp page. It's live. There's so much choices there. I've bought the vinyl. I think everybody should. If you have a record player, it's 20 sterling. There's CDs, there's cassettes. Let's push the cassettes. Old school for those that like them. And there it is, man. Yeah. Cassettes come out absolutely. I just love the cassette. It's just something about the, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a so different good. running order again. So what you're getting is fairly unique. Let's talk about gigs before we wind down. This is um, important. So if you don't know, it's started 29th of July, Limerick, yes. which is the official launch. Yep. Come to Limerick first. Limerick is one of our favorite places to play and uh, always get a good reception there. So I thought, fuck it. You do. Let's do Limerick first. Yeah, excellent. And I see it's the week before week before it comes out, no less. Actually, you're right, yeah. I uh, fucked up the release date with the distributor, so I had to delay it for a week. <laughs> so you're getting something special in Limerick, and you'll have the merch in hand, will you? The only thing we won't have is probably won't have the vinyl. The, That's fair the enough. vinyl, the, the final there. production, as I'm sure you're well aware, is yeah, just course, scandalous yeah. time. Yeah. So, but we've yeah. done everything we can to get it here. Okay, great stuff. Yeah, you're going to get the new T-shirts, the new long sleeves. Everything. everything, everything will be CDs, here. Bar the vinyl. Everything. Yeah, brilliant. So the next show then is 19th of August in Dublin. Where's that, Andy? Um, downstairs in Fibbers. Class. Yeah, great choice. Anticipating having the vinyl for that, actually. I think I think it should be here by then. Okay, excellent stuff. Oh, yeah, Words of Burn are supporting you in Limerick. Hell Shout yeah. out to the lads. Good choice. Yep. Have you a support on Dublin yet? Um, Graves Sermon. Oh, Death ah, nice yeah. one. Death Metal Band. Great. So I've never played great with those choice. guys, so Stranglewire have, so I'm looking forward to catching those guys. Yeah, top lads. And September 26th, the home one. August. That's Belfast. August. Oh, sorry, 26th of August. What the 26th of August, not September. I hope. Christ, don't, don't frighten me. <laughs> uh, I can't keep a track of everything. 26th of August, Belfast. 26th of August, Mandela Hall. So that is that is the okay. big one. That is the big one. And have the... you announced a support for that? Um, we have six bands on the bill. It's us, Stranglewire, Raven Light, Insidious Void, Doan and Zinnocence. Oh man, Jesus so, Christ, that's incredible. And it is ridiculous because we've booked um thousand capacity venue, but it's because you can only do certain things in certain venues, and that's the only place in Belfast that'll let me do it. So Yeah. Well done, man. Had to happen. Reach for the stars, Andy. Yeah, do you know Reach what? Like I say, you only live once and all this is for nothing yeah. anyway, so just fucking do what makes you happy and do whatever you like. So I wanna do this and yeah, no matter what, I'm gonna have a fucking good time anyway. Yeah, indeed. Pleasure having you on, kiddo. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having me. And uh, yeah. till the next time. <laughs> Until the next time, stay miserable. And as always, support your local metal scene. Of course.